Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Lawrence Taylor speaking, pastor of Kenilworth Baptist Church, and this is another episode in Reflection on Scripture. I'd like to talk to you today for a little while about the organized church. Many people argue that they believe they're not very clear about what they believe, but they say, we believe, we just don't want to have anything to do with the organized church, organized religion. And there are several reasons that are given. One, just look at the horrific history of the church, so they would argue. Look at the church in how it joined with the power of the state and how it persecuted people like Jews, how it um, was involved in some horrific acts during the time of the Inquisition, the time of the Crusades, uh, or the church's involvement even uh, in the Holocaust that took place in Europe. And they use all of those as examples of why they have no use for the organized church. To stay away from it, they said their worship, their, relig their religious practices are something that's private, uh, that they can uh, do on their own. They don't need a church. Well, let's... Um, carefully look at the fallacy in those assumptions. One of the major fallacies in those assumptions is that looking at those kinds of historical developments, they identify that as the church. Well, those of us who know the scripture well, know that those events were perpetrated by people who professed Christ, but they did not possess him. One thing we ought to know is that the devil can imitate. He, he likes to mimic. And he gives the picture of this as being the true church. This is real religion, but really all of those acts, those historical events, those atrocities were satanic. They weren't by the true living, promoted by the true and living Christ. Now you may say, well, how do you know and how dare you make such an assumption. The basis for my argument is on scripture, not on assumptions, but on scripture. First of all, let's look at the, the origins of the church. The church started with a bunch of ragtag uh, folks who were really outcasts. And you know, that is 
whom God really considers special in his sight. Not the wealthy, not the powerful, but, but the outcasts. Those are the ones that he considers um, important in his sight. We see that all throughout the scriptures. So, for instance, when you look at the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 1, you will see that God chooses to reveal himself after 400 years of silence, not to the powerful priestly aristocracy, but to a lowly priest by the name of Zechariah. He was not part of that, that priestly class of the powerful. You will notice in chapter 2 of the gospel, with reference to the birth of Jesus, even when Jesus is in the temple as a baby, he's not presented to Caiaphas or Annas, those of the priestly aristocracy, uh, but a priest by the name of Simeon uh, and a prophetess by the name of Anna. Both, as far as the world is concerned, insignificant people. When Jesus began his preaching in chapter 6 of the Gospel of Luke, it says in verse 20, and turning his gaze towards his disciples, he began to say, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And by the way, if you have any problems in understanding this word poor, just note the contrast when you go down to verse 24. You got the blessings and the woes. Note verse 24, but woe to you who are rich, for you are receiving your comfort in full. Jesus didn't identify with the rich and the powerful, but with the outcasts. Who were his disciples? They weren't part of the high, the Senate in Rome. They weren't the patricians. They were plebeians. They, they were the lowly. They were fishermen who had really nothing at all to do with politics. So when we look at the history of the church and its origins, we see that God did not exalt the rich and the powerful. Well, the church does that today, but that is not the true church. That is not the church that is based on scripture. God worked on behalf of those who are the outcasts, who have no means, who have no connections, who have uh, uh, no names that they can call on in high places, but they have Jesus. 
In fact, look at this reference in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the uh, history of the church and its uh, origins in, in the first century. Well, if we note in chapter 4, in verse 13, it says, Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. You see, those are the apostles. It mentions two of them, but they were um, representative of all the apostles that they were not highly educated. They were not trained. They were not um, part of the rabbinic. They didn't go to schools for rabbis. What gave them that boldness? Well, it tells us in that same chapter, in verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people. See, you got that? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't because of his education. It wasn't because he had friends in high places. But it was because they walked with Jesus. They had an experience with him. So these folks who argue, I don't want to have anything to do with the organized church today. Yeah, there are some churches I can I can understand that. The church that you do want to be associated with is the church that holds up scripture, that believes in the Bible, that holds to the tenets of the faith. Not these rich, extravagant churches. I went into one church one time, um, and they were actually had organized tours. The man said to me, would you like to go to the nave? I didn't even know what a nave was. I said, yeah, I guess so. Uh, and with going around the church, looking around, and, and actually giving tours of the church. Well, let me remind you of something. The church is not a building. The church consists of those who meet in the building. That's the key. Look, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, The Apostle Paul wrote in verse 26, What is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble? Now note that is the key, when you assemble, or as they say in some translations, when you come together. That, that is a technical word. That technical word, sunargo in Greek, means the church. It's not the building that you meet in. It's the people who meet in the building. Look, the early Christians 
were under severe persecution. They didn't have church buildings. They met in catacombs. They met in graveyards or tombs, wherever they could meet. Not buildings. You don't start getting church buildings until the third and the fourth century. Actually, it's the fourth century uh, after the uh, persecution of, of Diocletian and, and Constantine comes to power. That's when you start getting church buildings. So let's not oversimplify something, especially if you don't know the scripture. It is not a question of staying away from the so-called organized church. If you are a believer, you are part of the true church. You don't join the true church by signing your membership to a roster. You have to be born into it, and that is by faith in Christ. So don't make excuses why you don't go to church. The Bible commands us, says, neglect not the assembling of yourselves as some have done, or as the practice of some, some are. So don't do that. You have an obligation. There is no such thing as a churchless Christianity. Keep that in mind. So I'd like to thank you for listening. And I pray that you will benefit, you will benefit from this message. And I'll see you next time.